When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Can Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb be the second coming of Mack and Biner and both top 1,000 yards? We're going to try and answer that question and more on today's Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Scott Patsko. I'm here with Mary Kay Cabot. How you doing, Mary Kay? I'm doing great, Scott. How you doing? Good, good. No Dan Labby today. He is off this week, so it's just two of us running the show. We're in charge the whole week. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but Dan or no Dan is still Texas Tuesday. Uh, so we got a lot of good questions from our subscribers, uh, and we'll tell you a little later about how you can get involved for next time. Every Tuesday, we gather up questions from our subscribers and try to answer them the best we can. And let's start with the one about Hunt and Chubb. A um, lot of uh, questions about how they're gonna, both going to be used. How big of a year can Nick Chubb have? You know, we've talked a little bit about that, but I thought this question was interesting because it got back to 1985 with Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner, both top 1,000 yards, and that was Bernie's rookie year. Um, kind of an interesting uh, comparison. What do you think? Do you think that that is a possibility? You know, I, I think it's possible. However, when I look at this offensive roster, there are so many weapons on it. And if you really do want to try to make Odell happy and Jarvis happy and Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant and David Njoku happy, I think it's going to be kind of difficult to get a thousand yards for each uh, each of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, because, you know, we're also talking about, are we going to get a thousand yards out of Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry? So there's a lot of thousand yards going around there. Um, but, uh, you know, I do think it's possible. I do think there will be heavy emphasis on the run, obviously. Uh, so it is possible, but uh, I'm, I'm sure Nick will get there. We're going to have to see if, if Kareem gets there too. Yeah, I think uh, he's, he's kind of the key here. Although, you know, Biner, had a lot of catches uh, when he was with the Browns. So uh, I went back and looked at some numbers. Uh, last season, there were three teams that ran the ball more than they passed it. And you could probably guess a couple of them. Obviously, the Raiders or the Ravens led the league in, in rushing and were last in the league in passing as far as attempts. Um, they were <clears throat> 156 more rushes. The 49ers had more runs by about 20, and the Vikings by about 10. And, of course, that's significant because that's where Kevin Stefanski was last year. The Titans were kind of close. I think we kind of think of them kind of as a, as a running team with Derrick Henry. Um, but with the Browns, you have to go back to 2009 to find the last time they ran the ball more than they passed it. It was the, uh, the unforgettable Brady Quinn-Derrick Anderson season. And they had that running backs by committee. He had Jamal Lewis, who was injured half the year, uh, Jerome Harrison, Chris Jennings. Um, so you got two guys who I think – 
if they're both healthy, I could see it happening. Um, but again, I think it's going to come down to how much they want to use Hunt, Hunt in the passing game. I, are, we, are we pretty certain that, that Nick Chubb is going to top, top 1,000 yards? There's no question, right? There's really no question in my mind that that's going to happen uh, unless they really divide that up between those two guys. And, you know, it just seems like he's such the workhorse and he's going to be the workhorse. I can't imagine that they're going to take too many of those reps, those touches away from him. But once again, it's a new coaching staff. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Kareem Hunt is such a tremendous weapon. Uh, maybe they'll try to get him more of his touches as a receiver out of the backfield and some of the other things that he can do. Uh, but I, I just don't see them taking the ball out of Nick Chubb's hands too, too often. So I think he'll get his 1,000. And it's interesting, those teams that you mentioned, of course, are all the teams that run basically the same kind of a West Coast, you know, sort of two tight end system that Kevin Stefanski will be running here. Of course, Kyle Shanahan ran it here uh, the year that he was here as offensive coordinator with Brian Hoyer. And it kind of comes down from Mike Shanahan, passed down to Gary Kubiak, passed down to Kyle Shanahan and Kevin Stefanski. So they're kind of like uh, brothers in that way or cousins or something like that when it comes to uh, the offense that, that they're running. So it is possible, uh, but I, I don't know for sure if Kareem will also match Nick in getting over 1,000. And I think I mentioned early uh, when we first got into this, that was Bernie's rookie year. Uh, so you had a quarterback who's trying to figure his way through 1985, which I'm guessing led to a lot more carries for Mack and Biner because the Browns didn't want to put so much pressure on him just as a rookie and really getting thrown in on a spur of the moment when Gary Danielson got hurt. So that might have contributed to that a little bit uh, with Mack and Biner. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure Stefanski is happy to, to try and figure out how both those guys fit together. I, I feel like we get this question every week, um, and it has to do with the receivers. Uh, this, this one has to do with Jarvis Landry. Is he going to be ready to go when the season begins? Uh, and if not, who takes his place? You know, he talked to us uh, a few weeks ago and seemed to be a little bit ahead of schedule, but is he going to be ready when they start training camp and, and you know, when the season starts? Well, you know, I think he probably will be uh, because, you know, we've never seen him miss a game in his entire career. And I know he doesn't want to miss a game. I know that's very important to him. So I know he's aiming to be back on that field in that first game for the opener in Baltimore, uh, the weekend of September 10th. So uh, you, can, you can count on him, I would think, at least being out there to some degree. Now, does that mean he's going to play every single snap that he normally would? We're not sure about that. We don't even know what the preseason is going to bring, but I doubt he'll play in the preseason. You know, I don't think that they will take that risk with him. Uh, so I think they'll try to get him out there some in the opener. Uh, if he's not able to play, I think you can plug Richard Higgins right in there. I really think uh, that he would be ready to go. And, uh, and, and I just don't think you would have to worry about him. I mean, he, he knows Baker. They've got their, their timing down. He can play that role. And, uh, and I, I just don't really think that it would be, you know, catastrophic if they have to do that. Yeah, I think this was really who's the third receiver question in disguise. <laughs> and yeah. it's something that Richard Higgins, if he's that guy, the circumstances that led him to come back and take that role are kind of crazy. And that they let him walk, they let him go out and test the market, and then they bring him back very cheap uh, after drafting somebody, you know, after, after going out. And I know JoJo Natson's more of a kick returner, but, you know, you, you bring in another receiver in free agency. Um, you add – Obviously, uh, 
tight ends in the draft and free agency. Those guys are going to be catching the ball. If it's Higgins, I mean, it makes sense. Like you said, he has the, the, uh, the background with Baker. Um, I don't know. It would just be a weird turnaround. And really, Higgins' whole career here in Cleveland has been weird from – uh, from you know, fighting to get uh, on the roster after being drafted to being waived and then coming back in the practice squad and activated. And it's just been this roller coaster ride. I think it would be a good story if he turns out to be somebody who, who steps in and, and has success if Jarvis Landry isn't ready to go. You know. Well, he keeps hanging on. I mean, he, you know, he keeps coming back and, and resurfacing. He's got nine lives. I mean, he just <laughs> doesn't go away. And he, you know, he wants to be here. He's excited uh, to be here. He wants to uh, play on this football team when when the going gets good and uh, and you know he does have that chemistry with Baker Mayfield and I do think that that counts for something and he was in the doghouse so firmly last year that you know he and Baker just didn't have a chance to uh, to to make anything happen together but he has a nose for the football in the red zone I mean he can catch touchdown passes and that's what you really need it doesn't have to be beautiful he doesn't have to be the fastest receiver in the world uh, but he has to run good routes which he prides himself on and in the red zone uh, when the chips are down you have to be able to to go up there and catch the touchdown pass and I think he has an, an uncanny ability to be able to do that so I, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if they had to go with Richard for a little while. I think my biggest question with him is, does he still do his uh, touchdown red carpet celebration if there are no fans there? It oh would just look goodness. weird, wouldn't it? it? It would, but I will tell you what. I mean, his, his teammates love to jump in yeah. and, and perform their paparazzi role. So, uh, so I, I think he would still do it. I, I definitely think that uh, he's not going to give that up. All right, let's go back to Kareem Hunt. Uh, we had a question. Do the Browns, could the Browns sign him to an extension after the season? Well, they're going to have to do something because his contract's up after the season. But they did. Uh, he was a restricted free agent earlier this year, and they decided to keep him. Uh, I guess that's probably going to depend on how things go this season and how both Chubb and Hunt are used. Um, that, that's how I would look at it. Uh, this is going to be a, a year where we're going to find out who's really the bigger deal with this offense, right? Yeah, and, you know, and they don't even really have to wait until after the season. If things are going well and they like the, you know, he likes the role that he has and he's being uh, used a lot and, it, it, and he's doing all the right things off the field, then, uh, you know, then, then maybe you go ahead and you do some kind of an extension during the season. Obviously, we've seen that happen with other players before. So it can be done, and uh, it's up to him. I mean, he really needs to go out there and show that he's dedicated, that he's into it that, uh, you know, think about, la you know, last year was a whirlwind for him to, you know, the way everything happened and to, you know, to end up here on the team, it was emotional and, uh, you know, who knows exactly how this is going to play out. But if it, if it goes really, really well, I could see them extending him during the season. Yeah, somewhere Dan Labby right now is screaming, yes, yes, sign him to an extension. He's, he's been on the Kareem Hunt bandwagon for a while. And I think uh, probably like a lot of fans, he's uh, – anticipating how how he could be used and um that, that's one that's a wrinkle that you didn't maybe see from Stefanski in Minnesota that now he has and uh I think a lot of fans should be excited to, to see what happens with that this year um Jadavon Clowney still a free agent we got a question about him why don't why doesn't he love the Browns back uh, there were reports that uh that uh, the Browns uh, were still interested recently and why not just give him 18 million dollars a year and go ahead, bring him in and, and go forward. Why, why hasn't that happened yet? Well, I think the Browns have made competitive offers, both from a multi-year standpoint 
MA one year standpoint. Uh, it, it is my understanding uh, that the multi-year deal, I think that was the one that is the highest. And the one year deal, I think is competitive. So uh, they've, they've got numbers out there that should be able to draw him in if he is ready to come here. I don't think, and I've written this, I don't think that the Browns are his first choice. I don't necessarily think that means he does not want to come here. If the money were right, I think he would be here. Uh, so if they increase their offer, I think they could get him to show up on the doorstep. Uh, so I think it's a matter of, I think he's holding out. I think he's got a couple of places that he'd rather go. Probably like, He'd probably rather return to the Seahawks, which he loved the Seahawks. He might like to be reunited with Mike Rabel in Tennessee. But there's really not a whole lot going on with those two teams right now in terms of him being on the front burner, conversations with those clubs. Um, so those might not be serious options for him. And in the event those dry up a little bit, you know, then I think things will heat up a little bit more with Cleveland. They really want him. They still want him. And I honestly, I think if they came up a little bit in the, uh, in the money department that he would be here. Hmm. It's weird that this is happening during, uh, uh, you know, this virtual off season, uh, something like this in the past, you would say, all right, well, clearly he doesn't want to go through off season workouts. He just wants to show up at training camp and kind of be ready to go then and doesn't want to have to worry about the stuff in the offseason. But there's nothing going on in the offseason other than Zoom meetings. And so he's not really, you know, missing uh, or, or he wouldn't have to put himself through any sort of physical toll and getting ready for, uh, for OTAs or, or, or mandatory mini camp. It, it's just, it's odd. Um, but again, like you said, there's really no rush. I mean, he's a veteran at this point. I think he can he can handle any kind of defensive scheme they throw at him and whatever kind of responsibilities you want to give him at this point. So it, it, it's going to happen. He's going to be on someone's team. It's, you know, question is, is he going to be here? And what does that mean for Olivier Vernon, which is that other end of that question, you know? Do you, could you see a scenario where they bring in Clowney and, and Vernon is still part of this team at $15 you know, million I, dollars a year? I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm going to say no about that. And I wrote about that on, I think it was uh, Friday or Saturday, I wrote a story saying that the Browns are talking extension uh, for Miles Garrett and the possibility of signing Jadavian Clowney with their same agent, Bus Cook. So they're having these conversations with Bus Cook. And, uh, and I do think that, uh, you know, as, as I said, I think that their, their offers are very competitive. And therefore, I don't think that they're going to be able to pay Olivier Vernon and Jadavian Clowney both whatever 15 million dollars a year or Jadavian 16 or whatever it is that they would have to pay him I don't see that happening if they were able to get away with a bargain basement price for Jadavian then maybe they could have pulled it off but I don't see that happening I think that the price will be somewhere around what Olivier makes Olivier Vernon is set to make 15.5 million million dollars in base salary this year uh, so I don't see them being able to pay both of them that much and uh i think olivier would have to go if they signed jadavian yeah that would be an incredible amount of money wrapped up on the defensive yeah. line that's for sure yep uh, this, this is a question actually we've gotten uh, uh a couple times and i don't think we've ever gotten to it and um there was concern before the draft that all these zoom calls and having the draft incorporating zoom uh could open the NFL teams up to hackers. And there was a lot of concern at that point because Zoom in general had had uh, privacy issues, which they uh, addressed. Um, since then, I haven't seen a lot of uh, 
I haven't seen a lot written about that since then. It seems like people are, you know, satisfied with where Zoom is. Not that that's the only platform that you can use to do a call or, or to, to meet with your teams, but it's, it's obviously the most popular thing going right now. Um, but do you get the sense that there's any concern going forward that, that uh, NFL teams uh, might be hacked and, uh, you know, their plays or their schemes or whatever you have you uh, gets out into the public. I, I haven't, I haven't noticed anybody, but you know, NFL teams are, are, are you know, paranoid by nature. <laughs> What's your take on that? Well, you know, when we talk about zoom all the time, some, you know, sometimes they might be using other platforms like teams. Uh, so I don't know for sure if they're always using zoom, uh, but like you said, they have shorn up some of the problems. Uh, we haven't heard one thing about things being hacked or stolen or anything like that. Uh, so at this point, I don't think it's an issue. And if it becomes one, I'm sure they'll, they'll quickly close any of those loopholes. Uh, but actually quite surprisingly, we haven't heard more about, uh, you know, people jumping into their zooms and, and doing things like that. Yeah, it would be, I mean, clearly another NFL team is going to do that because you're going to trace it back and there's going to be, I mean, we, we've seen what happens when NFL teams try to do things. <laughs> we've seen what happened when baseball teams try to do things with stealing signs and, and stuff like that. That would be shocking if another team tried to do it. But I am kind of surprised just with how much we've seen with, with technology and, and hacking in general over the last few years that nothing has come out with that so far. Everything's just seemed kind of to go away after the draft. When that went off without a hitch, it was like, okay, well, that story went away. Um, but clearly – at least one fan who I know has, uh, has asked repeatedly about that is, is still on his mind. So we wanted to make sure we got to that. We think it's mm -hmm. safe. That's our final answer. So, mm -hmm. all right, uh, we're going to take a break here for a minute to let you know a little bit more about Football Insider. And we'll be back right after that. Hey, it's Scott again. I wanted to tell you about Football Insider. It's a way for you to get text messages every day from Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Labby, and myself with the inside scoop and analysis on the Browns. You get to hear what we're hearing, and you get breaking news before it even goes up on cleveland.com. Part of the deal is our Football Insider newsletter, which comes out every morning. It's sent via text to all the subscribers, and it includes a piece of content that you're not going to find on cleveland.com. It could be our take on something. It could be a video or a stat breakdown. But it's something that doesn't go on the website. It's only there for you. You can also text us directly. It's a great way to kind of cut through the social media cloud and, and avoid the trolls and get your questions directly to us. And it's the only way to get your questions on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So that alone should probably make you want to sign up. You can get a 14-day free trial. You can cancel any time. All it takes is one text to get started. But you won't want to cancel. We've already had hundreds of subscribers join us over the last year. And they all seem to love it. And they've stayed with us. It's only $3.99 a month, which is less than $0.14 cents a day, and you can take part in special events that we have. We've had Zoom calls uh, around the draft. We've also broke down Baker Mayfield recently via Zoom call with a lot of our subscribers. So how do you join? It's pretty simple. You can go to cleveland.com slash browns and click on the box along the right side of the page, or better yet, you can just text 216-208-3965 to get going. Again, that's 216 208 3965 to become a football insider. All right, and we're back, and we're going to touch on something that we got a lot of questions about uh, that obviously has been a big issue, not just in the NFL, but across the country, and it has to do with protests and social justice. And Baker Mayfield kind of 
dropped himself into the center of all that over the weekend when a fan uh, asked him, was it on Instagram? I believe it was on Instagram. Yep. If uh, he would be kneeling uh, if, if during the season, and, and Baker said, yes, absolutely he would. Uh, that caused a lot of reaction. He Baker then uh, kind of expanded on that and said he wasn't concerned about losing fans. Um, so that's where we are right now. Uh, what's your take on, on how that all that went down and, and how Baker handled that? Well, first of all, I guess I was a little surprised that he came out so strongly on Instagram in a comment, in a response to somebody commenting on his workout post and saying, absolutely, I am. I, I, that took me, that caught me off guard a little bit just because we had talked to Kevin Stefanski last week and he said, you know, we are going to talk about this as a team. I'm going to get together with my leadership council, which really hasn't been formed yet, but will be formed soon. Uh, I'm going to talk to my team leaders and we are going to make a decision together on what we're going to do. And he said, I don't want to speak out of turn right now uh, because I want my players to know I have their back. I'm going to do, you know, what they want to do and, and those sorts of things. So I guess I was a little surprised that, that Baker kind of maybe went off the reservation a little bit and, you know, decided on his own, I'm kneeling for the national anthem. But as he mentioned, when he came back and he wrote basically an essay explaining his decision, he said, I've always been outspoken. I don't care what people think. This is from the heart. This is what I feel like I need to do. And this is why I feel like I need to do it. And he explained that it's not disrespecting the military. He is not disrespecting uh, the police force. He is basically trying to not stand up for, actually kneel for uh, what is right, what he feels is right. And that is to fight against racism, to fight against social injustice, to call for racial equality and police reform. And, you know, he feels very strongly about this. And I have to say, and I've said this before on this podcast, you know, I, I kind of understand where Colin Kaepernick was going with that. I saw it as a peaceful protest. I've, I told you guys last week, my father was a Korean War vet. My late father was a Korean War vet. Very proud of that. He has a flag of the United States uh, tattooed onto his arm. A, a very proud uh, military veteran. And I, I don't think, and he is not around for me to ask him, but I, he believes in racial equality and social justice. And I don't think that he would have been outraged by Colin Kaepernick or Baker Mayfield kneeling at the national anthem. I think that he would be outraged at racial inequality. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I am at, on it. If it takes that to get people to pay attention and, if, and, and to affect change, then I don't have as much of a problem with it as a lot of fans do. I don't look at it as disrespectful. What is disrespectful is social injustice. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I wasn't surprised that, that Baker uh, answered that. I mean, it's been a while since, since we had uh, Baker kind of expressing himself on, on social media. Right. Uh, so he certainly went big and, uh, you know, there might not be fans in the stands to, to deal with that this year. Um, right. But obviously it, it, it struck a core with a lot of people. We have some questions asking, well, how about something else? How about something other than kneeling during the anthem? Um, something else. And, you know, I, people, 
it's all about expressing themselves, right? It's, it's about, is kneeling during the anthem going to change anything? Not necessarily, but neither is Baker Mayfield standing in front of a microphone saying that he's against racism and, and he thinks there should be uh, reform in, in law enforcement and, and courts, stuff like that. It, but they, they're, they're allowed to express themselves and make their feelings known, just like people are allowed to go on Twitter or send, you know, these kind of questions to us asking what the deal is. So they want to make sure that people understand how they feel about it and it's their right to do it just like it's our right to do it. And, you know, I think at this point, after what we've seen in the past uh, month with all the protests, not just in America, but really around the world, if, if you're still hung up on the form of protest, I don't think anybody like Baker Mayfield or, or Colin Kaepernick or us are going to be really be able to help you <laughs> kind of get that point through your head. You either, you're either with it or, or you're not. And, I think there's going to be a divide there for a long time. Some people are going to become enlightened, I think, but it's one of those, uh, one of those issues where it's, it's so divisive that some people just aren't going to get it. And they're going to see Baker Mayfield kneeling and they're going to think, well, that's it. I'm going to burn his Jersey or, you know, something crazy like that. Yeah. And I've already gotten plenty of emails with outraged fans saying that, you know, that they're done and they're upset and they're mad about that. And, and we are not going to probably change the minds of some of those people, but in order to affect change, you don't have to change the mind of everyone. Uh, you don't necessarily, you don't have to go, you don't have to, to bat a thousand on that. Uh, we've already seen that there's going to be reforms that they're, you know, the NFL is already committing 250 million extra dollars to, uh, to for social justice issues. Uh, we've already seen uh, calls for and plans for police reform and education and those kinds of things. Probably those things might, those things probably wouldn't be happening right now, except for the Colin Kaepernick's and the other people that, that have protested against what is going on. So if that's what it took to actually make something change, then so be it. Yeah, and, and again, like you mentioned, there is isn't just all protests. There are there is work being done, uh, and and the Browns have have been. I, I get the feeling they've done a lot more than than most teams. They've they've been involved in putting together forums between uh, police and community members. Uh, I went to one of those at Cleveland State. Uh, I think it was two years ago. Um, there was uh, they they've gone along ride-alongs with cops. They've gone and toured the courts and, and watched. Uh, the court system in action. Me and Dan both uh, followed along on that last year. So they're getting involved and they're trying to find ways to, to have an impact. Um, you know, so it isn't just, it isn't just saying this is bad. It isn't just protesting. It's, there is, there is action behind it. And I guess that's probably the, the bottom line that everybody should probably remember. Um, yeah, I think so. Do you think, and this is one of the questions that kind of stood out to me. Do you think the NFL will cancel the anthem? Wow, I never even thought of that. Um, I I don't think so. I don't I don't think they'll do that. I think that they will deal with the fallout. I think they know and understand that players are going to kneel. And like Kevin Stefanski said, it will probably happen as a team. You know, white, black, and otherwise will probably hand in hand kneel during the national anthem, at least for maybe the first few games or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't see them canceling the national anthem. I, I think that they will, uh, I think they will allow the peaceful protests to take place and hope that change comes as a result of it. 
I do say if there are no fans in the stands, it will be weird to do all the pomp and circumstance before the game. Um, because that's in large part for the fans. That's kind of how that started a decade ago when uh, U.S. military services began paying the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL to do these things before the games. And that's why you had players actually coming out for the anthem was because of that whole situation. Uh, the Pentagon's kind of outlawed putting money towards that stuff now, but it's kind of continued and we've kind of become used to it. But if there's no fans in the stands, I'm not sure if you go through all that. But after having Roger Goodell come out and say all the things he did in support of a social justice, what, a week or two ago, and then to turn around and say, oh yeah, and by the way, we're not going to do the anthem anymore. That would kind of make it seem a little disingenuous. And uh, I mean, people were skeptical of him in the first place. So to do that would be kind of crazy, I think. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see that happening. Uh, you know, what will be interesting is we have already seen, uh, you know, President Trump saying that he will uh, boycott watching the NFL, boycott watching soccer if the if the fans kneel. And that will, you know, I'm sure that will inspire a lot of other people to feel the same way, to do the same thing. So, you know, there is a chance that this, that, you know, there, this is going to be a very controversial situation again, as we move forward. And, uh, and we're just going to have to kind of walk into it and, and see how it goes. All right. Last question. And this is kind of out of left field. <laughs> I just, I had to make a note of it when I saw it. If both were healthy, would you rather see Baker Mayfield or Cam Newton running the offense for the Browns in 2020? Wow, that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting question. I actually just did a post on uh, Cam Newton working out with Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, out out at UCLA, and he looks like he's in great shape and he looks ready to go. He's coming off of a uh, a foot surgery from last year, but uh, I, I'm still you know what I, I am anxious to see what Baker can do in this offense. I think uh, his accuracy is so deadly. Uh, that that I think that he's going to be successful in it, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what it's all about. Yeah, not only would I rather see Baker in this offense than Cam Newton, I'd rather see Case Keenum run this offense than than Cam Newton. So I, I don't know. I that was just a weird question. I I think at this point they built so much around around Baker that I think you just move forward with him and you know make the best of it. I would, however, like to see like the Patriots sign Cam Newton. I I want to see him make a good strong comeback he has been hurt for the last couple of years in fact in that 2018 game in Cleveland you know he just couldn't hit the ocean from the beach the Browns would have lost that game if he could have thrown a four-yard touchdown pass into the end zone but he couldn't and uh, so I would like just for the good of the game because he's such a superstar hmm. and he's such a colorful character uh, I, I would like to see him come back start for somebody and, and end up being wildly successful this season. Cam Newton and, and Bill Belichick. That's a, that's a match made in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. All right, that's going to do it for the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Uh, from Mary Kay, I'm Scott. And again, it's us the rest of the week. No Dan, so get used to it. And we'll talk to you next time.